You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. We're giving the venerable Mike Chappell a week off to enjoy himself before things crank up for the NFL draft for him and, uh, of course, for us as well. But um, we are now one month out, Joe, from the draft. Uh, We are going to discuss... Um, this week at the NFL owners meetings, what Chris Bowden and Jim Mersey, uh had to say with some wide ranging topics. But uh, we're going to open with uh, with a focus on one of those topics uh, in a minute. Also later, uh, peeking at some uh, draft prospects, uh, as we will do from now until the NFL draft of some top um, needs that the Colts have. Uh, we all estimate uh, this offseason. And that'll be, like I said, cornerback uh corner back to uh to see uh, who some of the top prospects in this draft are and a couple of the day two and uh, day three guys that uh that we might have our eyes on uh, as well but but we do begin with uh the the prime topic of discussion at the nfl owners meetings when it comes to jim ursay and chris ballard out there of course and that is the status of lamar jackson because everyone knows joe the colts need a quarterback everyone knows the colts have been willing in the past to take a swing at some veteran guys instead of uh, draft and develop. So it's it's a move that from the outside makes sense in that area. Here from the inside, from covering the Colts, it's obvious that there is a leaning away from going after a, um, a veteran. They instead would more likely want to draft and develop their own guy. But it also it completely depends on if the Colts stay at three, if the Colts like what they see at three, uh, four rather in the NFL draft, excuse me, and um, and then what they think about Lamar Jackson. So 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 that's kind of just the the groundwork for our for our coming discussion. And we we've discussed, as you know, Lamar Jackson in weeks past. Uh, but but now we have a little bit of a, a work from or a little bit of uh, the thoughts from Chris Boward and Jim Irsay on the matter this week. Yeah, and Jackson on Monday making it public that he has requested a trade from the Ravens. Not even at that time, but. March 2nd, he said he requested a trade from the Ravens, really um, um, put more of a spotlight back on Jackson and this situation, doing it, you know, pretty smart timing to do it while the owners meeting is going on, while Jim Harbaugh is at the podium, not only kind of as a, you know, uh, sticking your nose up at the Ravens, but also all the GMs and coaches and everything are right there. If you want to get a deal done and get out of Baltimore, that's a good time to do it, get people talking while um, all, all the important names are in the same room there. Uh, but but Jackson now saying that he wants out of Baltimore instead of you know just not being able to agree yet on a contract adds a whole nother step and element to this situation. Yeah, poor, poor Harbaugh in this process, uh, his head coach there in Baltimore. Like he, he stands up there and is like, we're looking forward to seeing him. Like, I, I, I hope we see him. I don't think, I don't think John, that you're going to see uh, Lamar Jackson anytime soon. First of all, first of all, if he gets what he wants and he gets traded. Second of all, he's on a contract that I don't think he wants to play for right now. So if you see him, it's not going to be for a long time. It's not going to be until training camp or the regular season or darn late in training camp. I just, I, I, you know, he's completely unhappy with his situation there. He wants to get out. Uh, so, uh, and as evidence, like you said, by the fact that he has publicly now requested a trade, uh, let everyone know that he requested a trade now, four weeks ago, virtually. So uh, the Ravens have known his intentions for, for that much time. Um, Sports Illustrated's Destin Adams has reported that a Colts plane had an extended stay in Baltimore this week. Now, I don't know if there's just some things the Mayflower vans didn't pick up. They needed to go back and, you know, bring it over to Indy. But but nevertheless, uh, with uh, with everything going on right now with um, certain quarterbacks, uh, that's that's also a, a peaking, peaking some interest uh, here in, in these parts, Joe. Yeah, and the Colts wouldn't be doing their jobs if they didn't at least look into this. We are talking about a superstar quarterback, MVP quarterback. Um, when he's on the field, he completely changes the game and such a unique player that I don't think we've ever quite seen at the quarterback position. We've had quarterbacks who are outstanding runners of the football, um, you know, Michael Vick, Cam Newton, but um, not quite in the same way that Lamar Jackson is. He's almost if you took Vick and Newton and morphed them together, like a mix between them two, and he might be a better passer than both of them. 
Yeah, I, I grew up, uh, as everyone who listened to this show religiously knows, outside of Philadelphia, uh, and watching um, watching Randall Cunningham in, in some of his early years. That was my introduction to, to football, to the NFL. And, and he was very much an electric quarterback uh, like that. One of the first ones, um, uh, one of the first kind of, uh, one of the first ones of this, uh, to, to kind of spawn this new era, I think, of... The, the, um, the dual threat. Exactly. Like, you look at him, you look at Steve Young, um, you look at Warren Moon... Um, there, there's a slew of guys right there in the '80s to '90s that really that that it, maybe it's not the original. Like if you have to go all the way back to Fran Tarkenton or other guys too, of course. But but it's it's really the 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 new age, the new wave that we have now that makes it more commonplace. Those guys being as good as they were, and guys like Moon and Young being Pro Football Hall of Famers, really solidified the fact that like the, this is not just. Uh, plausible, but this is here to stay. Like what uh, it just gave offenses so much more, uh, so much more. Uh, they made offenses so much more of a threat, I should say. So, so anyway, like Cunningham was was an elite, was a great runner, and was a boomer. Like he could throw the ball a mile, and that's why he and Randy Moss did so well when he went to Minnesota later in his career. Like he, that, th- those were his strengths specifically. And, and Lamar has obvious strengths that made him an, an NFL MVP. And made him before that a Heisman Trophy winner, and people didn't believe he could be a quarterback in the NFL, and he completely proved them wrong. But at the same time, like I've said, uh, like I said a couple weeks ago as we discussed Lamar, he's had significant injury problems the past couple years, and that was my big hangup in signing Lamar. Like if you can, if you can get Lamar Jackson, give away two first round picks. Like I, I think. If you know that he's going to be healthy, that that's fine. That is more than fine with it's me. A bargain, exactly. And and I don't care if one of them is the fourth pick overall. That that's great. Like you've been seeking this this quarterback for so long. He clearly has the talent. He clearly has the ability. He has the mindset. Um, he has some kind of a chip on his shoulder, which I love with quarterbacks or with anybody really in the league. Like the the, the guys that haven't had things handed to them on a silver platter that he's worked really hard to get where he is. But those injuries just scare the heck out of me that he's had the last two seasons. And, and that's part of the process that Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay, Shane Steichen are all going through right now. Um, Chris Ballard said about Lamar Jackson at the owners meetings uh, this Tuesday, quote, anytime a special player is available, which he is, you got to do the work. I'm not going to get into deep discussions on where it's at, what we're doing, or what we might do, but he's a really special player. You never know how any of this will work out. So there's your first little nugget. The Colts are in. The Colts are in on Lamar Jackson. Not don't know how much they're in. Don't know if they just have paid the big blind and, you know, they're waiting for the action to come around to them and see what happens. Don't know if they just uh, uh, have had significant further discussions uh, with Lamar Jackson, if that plane there was for a, for a significant reason or not. But but from from that, from Chris Ballard, we know that at least the Colts are not like some other teams, Joe, that have outright said we are not interested at all in Lamar Jackson. They're saying that, yeah, we're, we're doing our due diligence here to see what works and what doesn't work for us. Yeah, they're in on him as a player. And I think, you know, this veteran quarterback carousel that they've been on and have been public about wanting to get off of the exception is a 26-year-old MVP. You know, this isn't this isn't a castaway. This isn't a Carson Wentz when his team that drafted him and signed him to a contract extension all of a sudden wants to dump him and get rid of him and move on. This isn't Matt Ryan um, or or, or Philip Rivers at the end of their careers. This is a player who is choosing to leave the team he's on, not the team saying, we don't want you anymore. And that's what makes the situation different, and that's why the Colts have to look into it. You're right. And then the main difference, you could you could strike some similarities between the Carson Wentz and, and Lamar Jackson, but they, they are markedly different because Baltimore would bring Lamar Jackson back if his asking price wasn't what it was, if they were both on the same page as to what uh, what they both wanted and uh, to to pay or to receive whatever, like Carson Wentz and the Eagles were done, and uh, they were moving on. Period. Uh, the the money was not not really a factor in, in that scenario. This money is is a significant factor with um <clears throat> with Lamar Jackson. We'll get into what Jim Ursay, who's the money man, had to say about that in just just a few minutes. But uh, a couple things uh, from Ursay first. I'm specifically trading for Lamar Jackson. Quote, it's a really tough decision. I'll be honest with you. The three of us, meaning him, Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen, are open to anything that's going to make us better. And, and I think, I think Joe, any, 
any triumvirate across the NFL is going to say the same thing. We're open to anything that makes us better, you know? But, but within that, there's so much wiggle room. Like, what makes us better? What makes us better this year? What makes us better in three years? What makes us better in 10 years? Those are really the discussions that they're, they're making now. And I think Shane Steichen, as a head coach, you bring him in. The Colts right now are at a position, more so even than the last year or two, where they're willing to look 10 years into the future instead of three years into the future. Because there was somewhat of a reset after firing Frank Reich after moving on to a uh, to a new coach a new coaching staff on offense specifically and so so i think it, it maybe in the years past with rivers with uh with wentz with ryan they were thinking two or three years into the future now i think that focus is shifting this offseason to something even further and so the question is can lamar jackson fit into that future for the colts when you're thinking eight to ten years down the road yeah, and I think they had to confront that reality when the team fell flat on their face this past season. I mean, the past couple of years, they've been operating as if they were just a quarterback away and this team's ready to compete right now. Um, they thought they had the quarterback to do that, and they went out there, and there was a lot of issues, not just quarterback play, but all over, um, specifically the offensive line. The offense wasn't very explosive. Um, there were problems with this team now. You know, not to go down a rabbit hole here, but I... That's what we do on the show. You go right ahead, Joe. <laughs> I would say the moves the Colts have made this offseason have not exactly screamed rebuild to me. Um, and, and we can get into more of that a little later in the show. So I'm kind of confused as to what exactly their plan is to do uh, this offseason. Are they trying to rebuild and build this thing back up from the bottom? Are they just trying to keep adding play? I don't know. We'll see in the draft. I think the draft is going to have a big impact on what the Colts do going forward. But certainly the team has to start looking now that maybe if not competing this year is okay. If we're in an overall better place two or three to five years from now than we would be if we went all in on this year. Another quote from Ursay, you're always looking at salary cap draft picks, which are like gold. Our belief and my belief is you build through the draft. That's what he and Chris Ballard, that's one reason they get along so well, is because they hold the same, same opinion about the draft. They hold the same opinion about picks. I love them picks. Um, it, it, it is hard for Chris Ballard to get rid of draft picks, to trade them. Uh, he's done them in certain instances. Uh, notably for me, the first one I remember is the Kari Willis deal. He traded up to get Kari who turned into a really good player until he wanted to retire from the NFL. That's nothing on Chris Bauer evaluating talent. Um, traded up for uh, Nick Cross last year, who Colts fans are certainly hoping to see more of him this year than they did last year. Um, but but it's, it's less often that, that he moves picks to move his way up in the draft. It's so much more often that he moves picks to move down, gathers picks, and then uh, just the more darts you can throw at the dartboard... Um, you, the more chance you have of, of hitting what you want. Um, and, and like Ursa said, they're like gold. And if you have the fourth overall pick, that's that's like the, that's like like as pure gold as it gets right now. Yeah, and history has also shown if there's if Ballard thinks he has a chance to get an elite player, he will trade draft picks. He did a first-rounder for Buckner. He did a first and a third for Carson Wentz. Like he, he loves those draft picks, but if he th- thinks he can get an elite proven commodity or at least a – a player like in Wentz's case at a, a, the most valuable position, he will pay the asking price. It's a good point. Uh, another quote from Ursay: it really has nothing to do with actual dollars. I mean, paying a contract like that is not a problem. The issue is what's the right thing to do for the franchise in terms of what helps us win in the long run. So that's another thing that, that really, honestly, I had some questions about uh, with, with this. Some questions, not not every question, because there, there was one point in this Colts franchise where they made Peyton Manning the highest paid quarterback ever. They, they made Andrew Luck the highest paid quarterback ever or even player in the NFL, um, I think, for both of those two, if I'm not mistaken. But um, so so that sense in, in terms of dollars and cents is not a big deal. But um, the 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 issue and we'll get into this uh, next about guaranteed contracts. If you're talking about dollars and cents, when you make a guaranteed deal, you have to put all this guaranteed money in escrow. And if Jim Ursa is saying the money itself is not really the problem, I think that he probably includes that, um, that, that early on you have to make this financial commitment, not just 
10 years saying over 10 years this is going to be the commitment but right now this is a, a big financial commitment for the franchise and I don't think from what it sounds like that would be a trouble that would be trouble for Jim Irsay but again the question is 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 it right to invest that much and is it right to uh, in, invest that much in the future of your franchise if it's just dollars and cents Joe if we're not talking about guaranteed money if you have the quarterback you pay the quarterback like in my opinion and and I think it's probably yours too but I, I'm not going to speak for you we'll, we'll let you speak for you I, I'd imagine like the, the the dollars and cents like Jim Mercer said is not not that big of a deal he says the question is if it's right for the franchise when in the long run it it is right for a franchise to pay quarterbacks big money if it's the right quarterback that can win football games and that kind of brings me back to the maybe he's questioning that. And I think, you know, let's just we can go ahead and get in the rest here as an owner. I don't believe in fully guaranteed contracts. I think that's a that percentage is one thing. But from what I've seen from the NBA and baseball, I don't see it as a positive uh, uh, competitively. Um, And he also goes in to talk about you have to have the quarterback. But to go where you want to go, everyone knows you need more than just a quarterback. You have to find the way to get that more. The best way to find it is the top three rounds in the draft. Those first three rounds, you start giving away those gold nuggets. Oh, boy, I tell you. Um, also, making sure cap-wise you can be in good position. He added, I-, I look at this as an opportunity because if you have a rookie quarterback, you're going to have a chance for those uh, first years to really have those extra dollars to make the team better. I, I think that's what he's alluding to. When he's saying make the team better, you know, in in the next five years, I, I think when he weighs in his head paying Lamar Jackson the money it would take to make him happy right now and, and building up the rest of the team around him, given what the team looked like last year um, compared to going for a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal when you really have so much more money to work with to build up the rest of the roster, I think those are the two things that he's juggling. Is it worth it to pay Lamar Jackson and get a proven elite quarterback, but maybe not be able to make the moves you want to on the rest of your team or retain the players you'd like to on the rest of your team? Or is it better to draft the young quarterback, hope he ends up uh, being successful in the NFL, and then you can put more around him. So it's it's also to, to the point that you made earlier and the point that we have made on this podcast over the weeks and uh, really for, for, for some of us for, for a year now that there are, uh, that, that, that there are a lot of holes on this roster that, that need to be filled, that um, a quarterback, they're not just a quarterback away. So if you bring in Lamar Jackson, uh, right now it's like, okay, so – What's the point in in some in some aspect? And, and I don't mean to I don't mean to completely dismiss it because I think Lamar is a talent that can raise the talent of everyone else around him for sure. Um, but uh, and, and you expect young receivers like Pittman and Pierce to get better. You expect guys like Jelani Woods to get better. You expect a guy um, all all those guys to get better. But at the same time, you. you you know that that it, that is a hole on the roster that you have, and so if you're just asking, so so what what exactly are you asking of Lamar if you bring him in is what I'm I guess trying to ask or trying to say. You know, the, the point being, like if if you want to bring him in and say, hey, you're you're kind of along for the ride as we figure out this cap situation um, uh, all around you uh, as we try to uh, work work around the number that that you're demanding here, the work around uh, what, how that fits into the cap. Like Chap always says here on this podcast, the, the salary cap, you can make it work, and, and you can, but, but it's not easy for an owner to do so. It's not easy for a GM to do so. You can't just go out and get anybody. But um, all that to say, I, I, think it's, I, think it's a, I think it's a tight corner that the Colts would put themselves in if they go out and get Lamar Jackson, at least for the short term, um, and, uh, with, with a roster around them that... Uh, still uh, is in obvious need of some improvement. They would need to hit on some things and maybe get some free agents to to come here um, uh, on a rate that would not be the the most expensive rate. And, and maybe some would do that to play with Lamar Jackson. But at the same time, if you look at the Colts right now, like I I, I don't know what team what what um, what free agent out there is eyeing the Colts even with Lamar Jackson, saying you know what that's what tips the scales for me. You know I I'd, I'd want to come and play there. 
Um, like there, there are plenty of other places that are closer to being title contenders, other quarterbacks that are that are just as good, uh, especially in the AFC, that are just as appealing to play with. So, so I just I just don't know in in that sense how the move uh, seriously tips the scales in the Colts' favor, uh, a- at least right away. Yeah, if if the Colts for the Colts to take the swing and pay Lamar Jackson, they'd basically be doing the the Rams method of we're going to go all in right now. Um, if we win a Super Bowl, it's worth it. It doesn't matter that in 2023, as we're seeing now, that our roster is in complete disarray and we basically have to rebuild, but we're stuck with old contracts and Matthew Stafford, who's 35 and has a bad back now and, and all these different things. Um, and Jim Irsay knows that, and that's why he's talking about five years from now. He, he wants the franchise to be in a state where it's continuously in good shape in terms of being able to make moves to try and be a contender. I don't think the Colts just want to be relevant. Lamar Jackson instantly makes the Colts relevant, but the ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. So does adding Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson make you a legitimate Super Bowl contender uh, if it means that maybe you can't resign a Michael Pittman Jr.? Or, or Jonathan Taylor, or at least not both of them. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we have a situation like we see with the Ravens, where they have Lamar Jackson, but not a lot of weapons for him, uh, which the Ravens is kind of inexcusable because they've had him on a rookie contract for five yeah. years. Um, probably part of the reason he wants out of Baltimore. But it, it, it's it, it's a lot to juggle. Obviously, if Lamar Jackson did come to Indianapolis, I would be excited. That's an exciting quarterback to watch. The team is instantly probably at least twice as good as what we saw last year. Um, but but there are some legitimate concerns in terms of being able to continuously build up the roster that needs work. And, of course, as you mentioned, Jackson not being able to finish each of the past two years, um, something we also haven't talked about, or say says fully guaranteed contracts. I, I think that's a big deal in this situation. Now, it, there hasn't been... Lamar Jackson's never said what he's wanted or what he's asked for, so we don't know exactly what it is. But I think owners are taking a hard stance against the Deshaun Watson contract and saying, we're not doing this. This is not becoming the new normal. Um, We're going to do everything we can to make sure this was a one-off and that uh, we don't have to start paying these guys uh, the kind of contracts that hamper the rest of our teams. Yeah, it, it was interesting what what Ursay said about that, saying I do not believe in fully guaranteed contracts. And uh, Jim Ursay, in one sense, is an owner. I think one of the few owners that has the pulse of other owners uh, in the league, all the other owners, or the respect of all the other owners. So that, like, if you want to help steer the NFL in a direction, I think there are limited owners who could do that. Jim Ursay is among that group. Jerry Jones is among that group. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie in Philadelphia. The um, uh, what's what's the, the 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 Mars in New York. Robert Kraft. Kraft Kraft absolutely is up there. Thank you. Um, um, the the Pittsburgh is it? Uh, oh, Rooney's. Rooney's. Um, and then in, in the Chiefs as well. All these old, the, these old. Uh, that's the they are old. Right. Yeah, they are old. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, but these the, these families who have been in football forever and, and who know the NFL. And I'd have seen it through this era to the next to the next. Um, and, and the Ursays, being from Bob to Jim, uh, it, are, are among that group um, of, I don't know, maybe maybe eight to ten owners uh, of the 32 out there uh, that that could have the clout to, to do this and to shift the NFL in a different direction here when it comes to contracts. But what reason do you have to do so? Like what? As an owner, it's not it's not necessarily beneficial for you to to dish out guaranteed contracts. Other other leagues have have done it, and it's uh, it's the norm there. And as Jim, uh, as Jim Irsay here said, saying uh, from what he's seen from those leagues, he doesn't see it as a positive competitively. Some ways it has been for sure. Certain players that get guaranteed deals, um, but but other other ways it hasn't been. Right. And and the NFL is is much more of a violent sport than the NBA than Major League Baseball. There's much greater chance for your investment if you're an owner to to come to come back either uh, either uh, shallow or even empty if you give a deal that that you're not uh, that that is not that is fully guaranteed because 
the injury rate in the NFL is 100%. You go out and you give Lamar Jackson a full guaranteed deal, and he tears his other ACL. And, and to be honest, if he's, if he's like, I'm going to bring up Carson Wentz again because it's what I do on this podcast. You should know this by now. But if it's anything like his injury that he had at the end of his what would have been an MVP season and he's just not the same guy anymore, then Lamar Jackson's not going to be the same guy anymore. Like, look, look back to that year of Carson Wentz and his MVP caliber season when he was throwing and running the ball at an elite rate. That's what gave the Eagles their home field advantage. It allowed them, allowed um, Nick Foles to take over there at the end of the season and get them through the playoffs and get them to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl eventually. They don't win that Super Bowl if it's not for Carson Wentz in the 13, 14 games that he played first before Nick Foles came and took in because of his elite play that enabled them to get that, uh, like I said, the, the home field advantage. Anyway, but, but he's not the same quarterback now, not even close to the same quarterback that he was when he was running and then got hit diving in for a touchdown against the Rams. I still see it replaying in my mind as, as an Eagles fan back there that, boom, the season's over. But then miraculously, the season was not over. Sorry, going down my own rabbit hole. But uh, all, all that to say, all that to say the guaranteed contracts in the NFL, if there is one sport, Joe, to not have guaranteed contracts for from an owner's perspective, it's the NFL because because of the, the danger that, uh, that uh, every player goes through. Um, but then again, from the player's perspective, then there's no better, uh, you know, uh, league to have guaranteed contracts in the NFL because they're putting their bodies on the line. So I know it's a back and forth. It's a worker. It's an owner thing. It's, it's a tale as old as time when it comes to, uh, the, 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 like I said, the, the owner and the worker in, in any business. Um, but, but, um, but here in the NFL, that, that's not how things are right now. If the players want more guaranteed deals then then that's something that needs to be collectively bargained because i don't think even an owner like jim ursay is going to take that step and and make this the new norm and i think that will be a big deal in the next collective bargaining agreement and i think you know not to spend too much time on this specifically but i think what the owners could do and what they should do is rather than the guaranteeing contracts they put a lot more of their money into making sure that the nfl takes much better care of these players after they're done playing football and making those NFL paychecks because um, uh, how they take care of a lot of these players is egregious, but we don't have time to get into all of that right now. Um, But uh, another thing that's a great point in terms of not being the same player anymore, there's no guarantee. It's inarguable that what makes Lamar Jackson so elite is his athleticism, his ability to run, for first downs, for touchdowns, to escape the pocket and make, uh, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth chance throws on a play that has broken down. That's what makes him elite. And if he loses that ability or even just loses a step, he's not the same player anymore. And he, he is a good passer, but you take away that running ability. I'm not even sure he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL on passing alone. And I don't think that's very controversial to say. He can make some great throws out there. I'm not. I'm not arguing against that. But that's the thing. Like 15 to 25 to 32, those quarterbacks can all make good throws out there. Exactly. Exactly. And so you, when you look at quarterbacks like a, a Cam Newton, who when he hit the cliff, that cliff was steep and he fell off quickly, because what made him as elite was his athleticism. And all of a sudden, when all he had was his arm, and even his arm fell off. That's kind of a different thing because he had a shoulder injury uh, and so his arm fell off as well but who's to say shoulder injury couldn't happen to Lamar Jackson so when just looking at Jackson and looking at his ability to sustain his level of play five ten years down the road uh, it's something that's a very legitimate question for someone who bases so much of their game off of their immaculate uh, athleticism which is what what we said kind of a couple weeks ago when we discussed this as well, getting a little bit more in depth today since we've heard from Ursay, we've heard from Ballard, but like they're just those injuries scare scare the heck out of out of me, out of you, out of Mike. Uh, if if he could stay healthy, sure, you you'd love it, but but there's just no guarantee that he will. So, what does Hancock Health's membership at the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together, we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. 
Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier locally owned, full-service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Window and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with a hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. Plenty more coming from the NFL owners' meetings from Chris Boward uh, specifically, talking about the future of this franchise and their uh, top draft pick this year at number four overall, coming one month from now. Here's Chris Boward on not trading for that number one pick, which Carolina was clearly willing to, to make that deal. Uh, he wasn't at the time. Quote, didn't want to make a blind decision without all the information. And I know for people, they might not understand that, but history just kind of tells you that when you do that, you better know what you're getting. We weren't quite ready to do that at that time. I would love to ask him then, well, well would you do it now? Yeah, <laughs> at that time. At that time, was, it was weird. But at the same time, like they were asking him about the trade, and yeah. he has to view it in, in, in time frame. So it's quite possible that the answer would be the same at this time, too. But clearly Carolina was willing to take a, take a leap, take a leap uh, Joe, that he wasn't. So that says that uh, Chris Boward and the Colts staff are still kind of wading through the, the consistencies and inconsistencies of these top quarterback prospects in this draft. And it, it's clear that those inconsistencies are, are not shallow if they're going through this much um, – uh, or at least for, for every quarterback, there, there are some issues because if he's not willing to, to pull the trigger for one, uh, then you can thus infer that all of them ha have their problems that, that they're trying to work out and figure out how they, can, how they can fix, how they can coach, how they can mitigate, whatever it might be. Um, so so that, that's why uh, Ballard says that they were not in the market for that trade up to number one. Sure. And, you know, the same might have been the case and could be the case, has reported to have been the case with Carolina as well, and that they just traded up there and then they were going to uh, hammer down which quarterback they were going to go with. They just um, had a different mindset about it and that they thought there was enough talent amongst the quarterback group at the top of the draft that they said, you know what, we're going to go up to number one. We're going to take our pick of the quarterbacks in this draft and start a new era of our franchise with our choice of franchise quarterback, which... Uh, we'll see what um, 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 method ends up working out here. Uh, uh, very different, um, um, I guess, going way to go about it in Frank Reich's new team than with his old team. But, uh, yeah, Chris Ballard, a very calculated, as we know, GM who doesn't just take chances without uh, feeling really good about the what he's doing. Um, and so without knowing exactly which quarterback they wanted or at least being completely sold on a quarterback at that point in the draft, they weren't willing to cough off, cough up the tremendous asking price that the Bears were able to uh, get paid. And here is Chris Ballard on drafting a quarterback just in general. Quote, if you don't feel like you have one that can absolutely change the franchise in terms of leading you every year, I think you're always going to feel some pressure to get that player. Now, whether we need to take one at four, if the right one's there for us that we feel good about, then we'll do it. At the end of the day, we feel good at four. I'm not saying we won't move up, and I'm not saying we won't move back. I'm saying we're still doing our work. Gotta love to hear that. When the moment comes, then we'll make a decision. Everybody talks about the top four, but there's some more guys out there. There's some pretty good players. I think history has shown, especially in the past few years, with Jalen Hurts being one, Brock Purdy coming in and playing really well, they come at every level. And I'll just say to that that Chris Ballard could have taken Jalen Hurts twice if, if he wanted to. So that's, taken that's, Brock Purdy like seven it, or eight it, times. Exactly. That's yeah. all um, hindsight's twenty twenty there. But um, anyway, um, right now, no, no, like like we've said here again over the past couple of weeks, no one's going to completely open their playbook for you. They'll they'll be honest in some in some aspects, and but, um, and, and when you look at that quote, I think it's mostly honest, but I also think that there's a way he's leaning that he's just not telling everybody whether they want to move up, they want to stay put, or they want to move back, and with his history. You could clearly 
understand that you would think, well, it's probably I want to move back because he always moves back. That's what he does. And if he wasn't willing to trade up to number one, then if you're going to take the third choice of quarterback, whoever falls to you, then I could understand again why Chris Bowden would be thinking about moving back. And he doesn't says he doesn't feel pressure to take a quarterback there at four, but boy, you got to solve that. As we've said, you got to solve that quarterback problem somehow. And with, with where they are this year, it just seems like it's the year to do that. I mean, they need a quarterback. <laughs> That's what I keep coming back to. Like they, they just need a quarterback desperately, completely. Um, whether it's trading for Lamar Jackson or going for one of these guys, like, it, it it needs to be a quarterback. Um, so if they trade down, if they're trading down to draft, I don't know, Hendon Hooker at, I don't know, nine or whatever, or 15, or then and that that's one way to do it. That would kind of be intriguing or interesting. But if it ends up that they either stick at four and draft Will Anderson or trade down and then draft a cornerback, uh, boy, I think, I think that would be a really tough sell um for for this front office and for this unit and it would put it would put uh everyone all those three ursa ballard Steichen, even um on on quite the uh difficult in quite the difficult position when they're talking to 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 us about about their decision making because it just looks like the opportunities out there this year and if you don't seize that opportunity it's going to be, I think it's just, it's just, it's going to be negative for you. So if Chris Ballard doesn't take a quarterback in the first round of this draft, there's going to be a go, a, a petition started like there was with Jeff Saturday to get him out of town. That those are just, that's just the facts of the matter. Uh, um, and I've been questioning for weeks now why Chris Ballard is still the GM of this team. Uh, he has a chance to shut me up and prove me wrong by taking a good quarterback in this draft and finally solving the problem that he hasn't been able to solve in several years now. Uh, not that it's an easy problem to solve, but it's a problem that it's his job to fix. Um, I, I think he's trying to keep a lot of options open because he stated repeatedly that he doesn't want to take a quarterback just to take a quarterback if he doesn't believe that that quarterback is going to be successful. Um, so I could see a lot of scenarios going on. Uh, let's just say, because this is my preference, I love Anthony Richardson, and I'm not so high on Will Levis. And so if the Colts feel the same way, and you know, ideally they would just stay at four and be able to take Richardson. But the Cardinals uh, are open to, for business with that third overall pick, as far as we know, unless they absolutely love like a Will Anderson or something like that. Uh, and there's other teams that need quarterbacks in this draft who would probably be willing to move up to three uh, to go get Richardson or Levis or whoever their guy might be. And so maybe the Colts, if the asking price isn't too high, they move up one spot just to secure Richardson. Maybe they don't feel the pressure to do so, and they end up just being able to land him at four because we know Chris Ballard's cheap, and he's not just going to give away draft picks uh, just to do so. Maybe Richardson... Maybe they, 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 they play the whole thing wrong. Richardson goes right before them. They don't believe in Levis. And so they say, you know what? We like Hooker just as much as Levis. Let's take Will Anderson with the fourth pick to get that stud DN, that pass rusher that we've been hunting for for years. And then we'll trade back into the first round and go get Hooker. Maybe they just trade back from four, acquire more picks and take Hooker. That'd be a very Chris Ballard thing to do, although I'd rather just get an elite player at four um, because Chris Ballard's been swinging and missing on defensive ends for much of his tenure with the Colts. Um, so I think he's just trying to keep all those options and scenarios open and available and keep the fans open um, to a lot of those options because the Colts aren't really in a position where they control their own destiny that much. They have external factors impacting who they're going to be able to take. Uh, and a big reason for that is because they didn't trade up to number one, which, you know, I'm not sure they could have matched that asking price. Carolina gave up quite a bit. But being in the position that they're at, if they want to get 
you know, the third, uh, third if they want the choice at the third quarterback in this draft, they're going to have to trade up. And Ballard, I think, is going to uh, make sure he has to do that before he does it. Some more outside of uh, quarterback news from the Colts at the NFL owners meetings. Uh, Chris Ballard said that they are sticking with Ryan Kelly at center and Kenny Moore at cornerback right now, despite some trade interest from them over the past couple weeks. From Ballard, quote, we had some calls on them, but at the end of the day, they're good football players for us. Can you use your Ballard voice? Oh, we got, they're good football players for us. <laughs> when you got a good football player, that's a great person, good fit. Makes it hard to move away from those guys. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. My, my, my pleasure <laughs> to bring it in every once in a while. Um, um, yeah, not surprised by Ryan Kelly. We've kind of talked through this. I was shocked about Kenny Moore. I really am. He, we've talked about how he wasn't a f- good fit. In Gus Bradley's defense sure he, didn't look it at least. Yeah, no, and he had his worst season in several years in this new defense. Um, they could save eight million dollars by cutting him and have zero dead cap he's in the final year of his contract i think he's about to be 28 um so this kind of just tells me that they're about done this offseason that tells me they don't have plans on what they would do with that extra eight million dollars i think they're sitting around 20 million right now and that basically tells me that you know what we might as especially after getting rid of gilmore corners already a need for us let's just go ahead and keep Kenny Moore because we don't know what we would do with that extra eight million dollars anyway so let's just keep him on the team which isn't very encouraging to someone like me who's looking at this roster and seeing a lot of holes like outside cornerback where going into the season right now they would be starting two undrafted players outside cornerback between Dallas Flowers and Isaiah Ro- or Rogers was Rogers a seventh like, round, yeah, seventh was a round pick, pick. Okay, undrafted Still. player in a seventh-round pick, exactly. Now, I do like their talent, but that's not a good strategy. Um, looking at the offensive line, which hasn't been addressed at all, I'll just go ahead and bring up this point. Matt Pryor is signed with the 49ers after a couple seasons with the Colts. So while Matt Pryor was awful for the Colts last year, that still eats away at their already lacking depth on the offensive line. So I, I, I'm kind of scratching my head about what the Colts' overall plan is. I, it seems to me that they hope they can just draft a rookie quarterback, plop them in there, give them a year or two, and that this roster can just pick up where it left off in the Phillip River year and in the you know first three-fourths of the Carson Wentz year where they look like somebody that no one wanted to play in the playoffs. Um, but I, I don't see like an overall theme to this offseason so far. Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals, and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. Well, so far the Colts have made a uh, made themselves cornerback uh, needy, corner back on defense by trading away Stephon Gilmore, and um, Brandon Faison went and moved to. Um, did he go back to Oakland or Vegas too? He did. Yeah, they went back to Vegas. So, so both of their starting cornerbacks for most of last season, <clears throat> excuse me, are, are gone. So we just outlined where they would be without him. Um, outside of those top three of uh, Rogers, Flowers, and Kenny Moore, there's uh, Tony Brown, who re-signed this offseason for cheap, uh, more of a special teams player, Kevin Tolliver, Daryl Baker Jr., and David Vereen. And if you don't know who those guys are, welcome to the club. So, you figure, Joe, that Chris Ballard is going to have to use something, some kind of draft capital to address this position. And higher draft capital might be ideal because of the lack of top-end talent right here. 
in this group. And I don't want to say that as anything detrimental to the guys that are there, but there's a reason that um, Isaiah Rogers fell to the end of the draft. There's a reason that Dallas Flowers was not taken in the draft. And hopefully they'll both be, you know, steals. I love the Colts. it. Diamonds love in the rough, but yeah. it's just not a good team building strategy to, to go bet on diamonds in the rough. Yes. Right. You, you want some, you want some blue chips and the blue chips for, uh, for this NFL draft at cornerback, uh, first round virtual locks that you see, uh, it, it appears to be a pretty good year for cornerbacks. So the Colts can, yeah, they have that going for them. They have a lot of options. Um, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon appears to be in kind of a league of his own at the top. After that, not not far behind uh, are Devin Witherspoon of Illinois, Joey Porter Jr. Penn State, Deontay Banks of Maryland, all thought to be really good first round players. Joe, unless there is a scenario where Chris Bauer does trade down and gather more picks, it's very unlikely one of these four guys would fall to them at any point in the first round of the draft. Yeah, or maybe a video of them, you know, smoking out of a gas mask comes out on draft night. I, I don't see them falling. When would out that of happen? <laughs> yeah. Which that might probably wouldn't even have the impact it used to with, you know, marijuana becoming more and more illegal and might be encouraged. Many of these states. Oh, yeah. Oregon, Illinois, uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland. I'm pretty sure it's legal. in all those. There you go. Boom. So after that, you get into the guys who could be first round, maybe into the second round. And the Colts, as of now, do have a really high pick in the second round, Joe, because they were one of the worst teams in the NFL last year. They were bad. At this point, it's good that they were bad because Mm -hmm. you got these picks. Um, but you got uh, Keely Ringo out of Georgia, um, who could be a safety in the NFL. Some are thinking about that. Um, like this, this is from from us right now. Just um, so we're completely on a level playing field out there with all you listening. Joe and I are not scouts, but we do read a lot of scouts. So yeah. we're kind of putting together knowledge that, that we've gained that way. Um, yeah. it's, I'm not breaking yeah. down tape it, it, in the evening. Right. It's it's like for that. me. Yeah. It's it's a different it's a different bunch of knowledge than I try to give for the rest of the show. I think I, that I have a little bit more, a little at least a little bit more expertise at at some other things that we discuss. Um, this is. is is not exactly one of those things. It's just a, a matter of, um, it's more a matter of reading what other people have to say and kind of bringing yeah. their all their opinions uh, together into and delivering it to you. But some other, some other cornerbacks that could be taken, Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. We should have brought Chris Hagan on to, to give his his rundown of this this guy. Um, he's 6'1", but only 166 pounds, Joe. Pretty light. Like, I, I could get to 166 pounds if I tried, I think. I, I might you know, need a little bit of work to get there, but... But that is that is light in the NFL. You're going to get a pushed around by physical receivers out in routes, and two, perhaps more importantly, in the run game. They're going to block you into oblivion. They're going to run stretch plays to your side, and that that's that's a real real mismatch in the NFL if you have a corner that's less than 170 pounds. Yeah, Forbes is a guy who, if he had, if he was maybe 180, he'd probably in that fir- be in that first group with the first round locks. But that, that's quite a question. I think it was the lightest cornerback in the combine in like 10 years or something like that. So he, he's going to have to put some weight on uh, to play in the league. But uh, I think Chris Hagan would say, well, he, he did it in the SEC, right? Just means more in the SEC. So uh, so he has he clearly has talent. And that's why you still think that he could uh, be a second uh, round prospect or maybe even the end of the first round. If somebody really falls in love with him, looks at his frame and thinks, yeah, we can get him up to 180 pounds if we bring him in and get him in our weight program, getting in our nutrition program. So, And um, he has six pick sixes in his college career. That's pretty darn good. That is really good. So you got a nose for the ball. That, that'll, that'll make up for uh, some of those uh, deficiencies. Um, Cam Smith out of South Carolina, 6'1", 180. There he is right there. There's that, uh, that benchmark. Uh, runs a four four three, so that's a little bit slower than Forbes, who ran a four three five forty yard dash. But uh, another uh, solid vertical, good arms. Um, that, like, every one of these these guys uh, has 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 some kind of a knock when you get into a second and third round picks. So when you look at different things where they say, well, this this guy doesn't mirror wide receivers well through transitions. Uh, this guy, Tyreek Stevenson, has some busts in the zone and recognizing different route patterns that come out uh, from from different teams. Uh, when you get into here, so much relies on the fit in your scheme, mm-hmm. because if if you're fit, Joe, uh, if you don't need him to mirror receivers as well through transitions, if you're going to pass him off from this zone to another zone, and you're going to run zone 85 percent of the time, that, then then Cam Smith is much more valuable to you than if you're a, a strict man to man team that plays man 95 percent of the time and wants to put your cornerbacks one on one with these guys. 
and uh, is a, a heavy pressure team that wants to get after the quarterback. So, so you can find guys. That's why, that's why you can find guys. That's why I think Chris Bauer thinks you can find guys in the second round being so valuable because a lot of these guys have first-round traits, but they have other areas in their, uh, in their development, in their skill set that are just not good, but you're not going to ask them to do these things at the NFL level. So that's why these second-round picks can become incredibly valuable for NFL teams. Yeah, they have some kind of hole in their game that, that gives teams pause, or at least some teams pause, you know, and so maybe you're only um, on the high on the draft board for half the NFL teams because other NFL teams would want you to do something you're not good at, and then you end up falling to the second round. Um, so looking at what the Colts uh, probably are looking for in a quarterback, we know size in, in Gus Bradley's scheme. You know, it, the best, the perfect cornerback for his scheme was uh, Richard Sherman. So he was incredibly smart, physical, had the size, uh, had the ball skills to take the ball away, um, anticipation, being able to recognize route concepts and be where he's supposed to be at all. Was times. he like a fourth or a fifth round pick? I forget. He was. Like, yeah, he, yeah he, he was. He was not like a, a high draft pick. But, no, and but he, yeah, he fit well into their scheme, and he developed beautifully. Exactly, and obviously the temperament. He had the temperament yeah. to excel as well. But just looking at you know the type of cornerbacks that fit that Ringo at Georgia, six foot two, two hundred seven pounds, certainly has the size they're looking for. Four three six and speed. speed. Yeah, geez, um, if you're six two, two hundred pounds and run four three six, Chris Ballard's gonna gonna want you on his team. But there's just a matter of uh, actually get, getting to you at some point. So. Exactly. Forbes has the height. I'm just not sure he has the weight. Uh, um, looking at Julius Brintz from Kansas State, six foot three, 200 pounds, uh, 41 and a half inch vertical and 34 inch arms. I think that's going to be somebody the Colts might target. He only ran a four five three forty, 40, um, which. It was about the same 40 Vontae Davis ran back in the day for the Colts. So, you know, it's definitely not a deal breaker to run a 40. Uh, and I think um, top and speed is one of the knocks he won't be going in the first. One of the reasons he won't be going in the first round. But I think Brent can certainly fit into this scheme and be a player that the Colts keep an eye on. Some other good cornerbacks like Garrett Williams, DJ out of Syracuse. Let's go, Garrett Williams. Come on uh, uh, now. DJ Turner out of Michigan. These are some of the smaller cornerbacks, um, 5'10", 5'11", who, who might not, especially Turner, 5'11", 178, um, uh, less than 31-inch arms, might not have the length the Colts are looking for. Uh, Williams, you might be able to speak more to him than I would, but he tore his ACL in October, so I know that's going to bump him dra down draft boards a little bit. Yeah, you're not going to get, I don't think, a lot, especially early this next season from him because it's going to take a while to rehab that, and then you finally get him in camp, and then he's starting just behind everybody else. So if you're going to draft him, uh, you're not relying on him to be a significant contributor right away. It'll be more like what Dallas Flowers was last year, to be perfectly honest. It'll be a guy who is on the practice squad early or even just low on the roster if you want to keep him there ensure that he he's, he stays on your team and you're just giving him a uh, <clears throat> what's it called like you're making him inactive every week because he's just not going to be ready um but uh, the, these guys down here in, in the lower tier uh the lower draft uh rounds or at least projected to go down here who are cornerbacks you see a lot of guys who are smaller at 511 510 but were still very productive in college so these guys found schemes that fit them very well in college it's a matter of whether they can do the same in the NFL and also match up with the level of physicality and speed and everything just being uh being heightened for them and Williams was a really good corner he was all ACC player when he was a freshman sophomore and junior in 2020 2021 2022 and then he got he got knocked he uh he tore his acl like syracuse had two really good corners for a while with him and deuce chestnut who transferred to lsu if lsu is taking you on as a defensive back you know you're a pretty good player in the in the transfer portal so so garrett and deuce were both really good players for them it was tough to throw on the outside against syracuse um so so i like williams a lot he's definitely smaller he's not what chris ballard's ideal cornerback is um, we, we all know the story of Kenny Moore being smaller and him just uh, having to take him kicking and screaming off the uh, off the uh, the uh, Patriots practice squad because the Colts just needed bodies at cornerback and he was a body out there. Um, so so to draft someone like a Garrett Williams, I don't know if, if Chris Ballard has that in him. I really don't. I think he's going to take more more shots at a guy like a Rodney Thomas at the end of the, the draft last year who has some physical tools, who has speed. 
and can develop well, you think, with those tools and speed and size uh, at the NFL level. And we saw Thomas play, play very well last year um, for the Colts throughout the vast majority of the season, uh, taking the starting reins from even a guy like a Nick Cross, who was drafted way up in the third round that you expected more of going into the air. Um, so so that's, that's what Chris Ballard has more on his mind, to find more traits, I think, near the bottom of the draft, at least if history has anything to say about it. Um, it so it's more, it, it, it would be less likely, I think, for them to take a guy like Garrett Williams, more likely for them to take a guy like Julius Brents, who you mentioned out of Kansas State, who's 6'3", 200 pounds, not the fastest guy in the world, but still big vertical, big arms. And if you're not asking him to, to run uh, deep with with receivers um, if you're if you try to work on footwork you work on hip flexibility you work on positioning he could be a, a really good corner in in the system that they have currently under um, under Gus Bradley so. yeah and I think he makes a lot of sense maybe in the third round if he lasts that long or maybe they trade back in the second and gain more picks and still take him if that's their target um, but just looking at their picks here they have the 35th overall pick um, that's high in the second round Third round picks not quite as high because they don't have their own pick. They have Washington's pick, and Washington did much better than Indianapolis this past year. So that's 79th overall. And then uh, fourth round, they have 106, and then they have two fifth round picks um, one their own, 138th, and then one from Buffalo in the Naheem Hines trade, uh, 162. I would say cornerback is one of the bigger needs on this team. It has be, to be. I would say I would be surprised if they don't take one within the first four rounds I would say but the 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 only thing that would give me pause against taking one maybe in round two um, is that you're trying to give your assumably rookie quarterback every chance possible to succeed and so if it's between a cornerback or maybe a guard you feel really good about another wide receiver um, something on along the offense that's going to help your quarterback I, I would lean on the offensive side of the ball just because that's the most important thing to do right now is make sure that you can score points and that the quarterback can come in and, and lead the team to success and then maybe the next year or two you, you figure out a way to shore up the defense completely and, and, and I'm on the exact same page as you I, I like we sit here and we say the Colts are in desperate need of a cornerback and they really are in desperate need of a cornerback but but that doesn't change the fact that this offense was one of the worst in the NFL last year. So if you're going to throw, bring back the dartboard analogy, if you're going to throw darts at one side, it, it's got to be it's got to be offense right now because because you need help up and down on offense to to be better than you were. And last year the defense was very good, very good until the end of the year when they just got completely worn down and couldn't keep up with anybody. You can tell by the second half collapse in Minnesota, the fourth quarter collapse in Dallas. That, that they they were tired, they were done, they were beat. They had carried this team as much as they could. And even if you got to a week and you were ready to go in the first quarter, by the third and fourth quarter, again, all that gas, all that juice was completely gone. Yeah. So um, you, you hope that Darius Leonard, Shaquille Leonard, excuse me, is healthy himself. That would help. He, he always brings the juice uh, himself. You know it. Um, but uh, do you... Do you think it's interesting, because I found it a bit interesting, that they traded away Stephon Gilmore, who was one of the best players on the team last year for cap reasons, but they kept Kenny Moore, who struggled. I, I would say maybe that was as much for Gilmore. Maybe Gilmore came to the team and said, hey, I'm not in for a rebuild. I came here because I thought we were going to contend. And then they traded away him away to a contender because he really doesn't fit mm -hmm. with their timeline anymore. I think he's going to play at year age 33 this year. Yep. But... I just think it's interesting that you chip off a better player for like a fifth round pick or something like that, but you keep and you pay somebody $8 million who really wasn't that productive for you. It, it, it just, it, it's head scratching to it, me. It doesn't strike you externally as a good business decision completely. And, and I see that. I absolutely see that. Uh, I think it definitely goes to your point that uh, when they signed him, uh, when they signed Gilmore, uh, they signed him with the expectation that he was a missing piece of making a run at a conference title and 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 a Super Bowl if if possible. And when you go into an off season after that, um, there, there's some kind of like promises made, maybe not promises made, but expectations made with him as opposed to expectations with Kenny. You know, like he's been here for a while, so he's kind of more part 
you you think maybe he's more part of this franchise and the framework of the team, like for the ups and for the downs. Whereas you you brought in Gilmore specifically for an up, and it happened completely the opposite way. Um, like I'm I'm not saying again that this is the the smartest business decision to get rid of the guy who was really productive and keep the guy who wasn't, but I, I don't know maybe it, maybe it's an honorable business decision. Maybe it's just trying to do business the yeah. right way. Now, honor doesn't win in the NFL, no. but it, it, it is it is something to be honorable in the NFL, and so so. Uh, so that that's I think that's the extent of my my thoughts on the matter. Yeah. So I, I can understand what you're saying completely. It, and you know, not that I think, oh no, the Colts' chances at the playoffs are gone now because Stephon no. Gilmore is not here. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year, regardless, or at least the chances aren't very high. But I, I just thought, you know, okay, they're trading away Gilmore. They're kind of tearing it down a little bit. I expect Kenny Moore to be next. Maybe Ryan Kelly. There's been stuff about they could save money by trading away Mo Cox. And then the only piece that gets moved is Gilmore, who was the best of the bunch um, for you last year. It, it just kind of makes me question what the overall plan is with the team. Well, the plan right now, Joe, is to just uh, draft Will Anderson there at number four and uh, then trade for Lamar Jackson, their next two first-round picks. And if he flames out in four years and the Colts have the number one overall pick, you draft Arch Manning, and, uh, and everything is set. So now I see there it is. Now there I it all it. is right now. So you have Arch Manning, you have Will Anderson on one side and, and, and there you are. You're, you're set for the next 15 years. You're a franchise. So I like it. You heard it here first on the Colts Blue Zone podcast to hear more tremendous analysis like that. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Uh, also, uh, subscribe to us. Make sure you get us delivered right to your podcast listening device when we drop Wednesdays or Thursdays throughout this offseason. And uh, Mike will be back next week, but you can read all his work online at Fox59.com, CBS4Indy.com. Still got some great content going up there, even though he's not able to join us right now. So for Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 